0: So just having that degree of acknowledgement that, you know, people have feelings, those feelings are valid, enables people to feel safe in what they're sharing. So they will ultimately be able to share what they like, what they dislike, et cetera. And then you have a better place to start from as you're working to collaborate on whatever the end goal may be.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Nils Vinya, and today my guest is Christine Lavery. Christine, welcome back to the show.
0: Thank you for having me. Glad to be there. Always a joy to chat with you, Nils. It's a pleasure. Christine, you were previously
1: on the show way back at episode number 46, where we charted the path and went through your progression from director to the VP role. It was quite an epic ride that you were on, and I'm thrilled to be back with you today. Yes,
0: quite the journey. Learned lots of different things along the way. And again, happy to be here to chat all things in the leadership realm. That's right. And you're now VP
1: of Customer Success at AgentSync. Congrats on joining just a little while ago. And we're talking today about fostering a culture of collaboration, something you've had to implement right away just in the last few months since you joined this new organization. So we both Christine and I have a handful of points that we're going to cover. We're going to go through them one by one so that you get the absolute best on how to foster a culture of collaboration. All right, Christine, hit us with your first main point on this.
0: Yes. So I, you know, when you reached out to me to talk about fostering collaboration, I was really excited. This is something that I've I've been passionate about just in general. And a lot of people say they have passion around collaboration, but like genuinely, I don't feel like I could be successful unless I'm effective at collaborating. So glad to be able to talk about this and for both of us to be able to impart some of our wisdom from our careers. So With that, you know, this has been my first item has really been a hot topic for me in the past year, just around the concept of psychological safety and how that in and of itself can foster an environment of collaboration. So, you know, we think about or when I say this, I think about what is the type of environment that I can create that will enable anybody that I'm speaking with to feel comfortable in sharing their points of view. So. We all have an environment that that we are working in. I, as many are aware, I lead customer success. And so I come from this lens from customer success, but I'll be working with individuals in product and they have their own point of view on, on items. They have different senses. They have different feelings on these things. And all those are valid like what we bring to the table in the moment and our experiences are totally valid. So in order to really help with that degree of collaboration, we we need to acknowledge that. We need to accept that and we need to show that we're really listening. And this skill set in the CS world is very transferable to how we're interacting with our customers. And we can take that to our leadership journey as well. We listen to our customers. Let's listen to our peers and what they're feeling and, and understand that they have valid feelings too. And then we can start working from there.
1: Yeah, that's a wonderful point. And I've been in some environments, I'm sure you have as well, where there was no psychological safety or maybe perhaps before it was even something people talked about. And it was, it was a second, very far secondary concern based on the leader. And the reality is exactly what you described. We can create any environment that we want and anybody in any leadership position. And the interesting thing is, it doesn't even have to be technically a people leadership position. Every individual, be curious for your take on this, I think every individual has the opportunity to create the environment that they feel most comfortable in by how they treat other people and how they engage with other people and how they interact. And if you're in an environment where that's not the case and you don't feel psychologically safe, the only thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna suffer. I promise that nobody else is really going to care because if they cared, they would have done something about it by now. What would you agree?
0: I, I totally agree. I mean, we all have an opportunity to participate in this environment, but also create that environment. I think you said it really, really well. And yeah, just from a... In all aspects of our life, if we don't meet people where they are in their own personal feelings about a particular situation, like this is personal and professional, we're just setting ourselves up for a conflict, whether we intended to or not. So, just having that degree of acknowledgement that you know people have feelings, those feelings are valid, enables people to feel safe in what they're sharing so they will ultimately be able to share what they like, what they dislike, et cetera. And then you have a better place to start from as as you're working to collaborate on whatever the end goal may be.
1: And those feelings are valid, even if they're different from your own, right? That's always the key. (laughs) That's always the key because there will always be, every other point of view is gonna be different than yours. And that can be one of the most difficult things, especially in a people leadership position to overcome. Right? And That's sometimes right. the belief is that as the leader, I should be setting the stage for all this. But the reality is, no, you need to set the environment that you want to operate in, that you want this team to operate in. And it's a conscious choice. You have a choice at every step of the way of what is the environment that I am creating as a result of this behavior, as a result of how I'm interacting with the team, as a result of anything that I do is, as you noted, it will be created whether you're consciously thinking about it or not.
0: And this is not something that you leave to chance that's right yeah All like right. cognitive based therapy really like is kind of what we're talking about but it applies in the, the workplace and and how we just create that that safe space and to enable us to to move forward
1: yeah and awesome
0: okay so let's move on i'm going <laughs> to
1: share my first point on this which is the importance of having clear roles and responsibilities and the reason why this is so important is it's really hard to collaborate if the roles and responsibilities aren't clear and you have overlap either within a particular team or between teams, right? We talk a lot about, you know, on the CS side or our collaboration with sales or marketing or product or support. And sometimes those roles and responsibilities are not clear. Well, when they're not clear, it's just uncertainty. It's just, like confusion, and that is the recipe for how to not <laughs> foster a culture of collaboration because you can't collaborate when you think it's your job, somebody else's thinks it's their job, and you're going to have conflict as a result. What do you think of that one?
0: Yeah, 100% aligned there. And in fact, it makes me think of something that I'm working through right now, which a lot of CS leaders have likely experienced, which is what's the bifurcation of responsibilities between CSMs? And support or CSMs and sales. And so, you know, one of the things that I've already done in my short amount of time here at Agent Sync is I've sat down with my peer and I've said, this is the vision that we're trying to accomplish with CSM. And here are the types of activities that we are discussing where people have questions around, should they be doing this? Should they not be doing this? And let's let's take a step back and talk about what's the vision of the role that we want the CSMs to accomplish and see if that supports that or not. So we had that conversation and it led to a really fruitful dialogue and we landed in a place where it became much more clear around who is going to be doing what. And ultimately breaking down one of those most complicated challenges of, well, is CSM just glorified support or are they something different? And it all came down to understanding those roles and responsibilities. And as a result, now we have greater opportunities to further collaborate on what what good will look like because we now are on the same page.
1: And you did this, you know, relatively early in your tenure at AgentSync. And yep. you know, when you first join an organization, there's always a bit of a blank slate. So it can certainly be done. But I want to emphasize that the exact same exercise could be done at any point in time. And you've probably done this in your previous roles, and I certainly have as well. And it's usually as the result of you know, confusion or frustration or pain points or, or conflict. That then you have to take a step back but know that it's always okay to take a step back and let's look at the big picture here and what is the role that we are going to provide to the organization what is the role we are going to play with our customers what is the role you and this other organization are going to play here and that if you're struggling with any of that or you feel like you can't your team cannot work effectively with another team because they have a different agenda different set of beliefs around their responsibilities, then take it a step back and have a leader-to-leader conversation about this and just see where you come out. Because just like Christine said, like it, the re- end result got to a really good place, which couldn't have happened if you didn't have that conversation. That's right, 100%. All right. awesome. Okay, so let's go on to your second point.
0: My second point is on compromise. So it's... Uh, compromise a lot of people are like oh I'm good at compromising and I'm like are you are you actually really good at compromising but but really when I think about what this means in the form of collaboration it's you can't always go into every conversation and immediately say no like nope not gonna do that like you're immediately putting your wall up as an individual who's not interested in collaborating whatsoever or conversely making it really difficult for somebody to be like oh gosh, I need to go work with this other person, but I know they're going to say no to me first, and it's just going to be a battle to get there. Like, that does not create an environment of of good collaboration. The, The my way or the highway approach also is not effective either. So you have to be willing to understand, like, what are the items that you're willing to sacrifice a little bit? You're willing to compromise, and you have to pick your battles. And That can be really hard for lots of different personality types but if you want to be a really good collaborator this is something that you you really need to develop the skill and an example that i think of actually is with a customer that i have worked with previously first thing no to absolutely everything might be the worst customer interaction ever But needless to say, this person didn't want to compromise, and they're not getting the value out of the product that they originally intended in why they purchased it. And it's it's a fascinating dynamic. Like we could dissect that one all day long. But this whole desire of like you purchase something to solve a particular problem, and then now your initial reaction to every recommendation and suggestion is no, 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 no. Like that's that's not. That's not great. And that's not going to be good as well internally if you're working with your your own people and your own peers, your own team, et cetera. So seeing how that all playing out, it's, it's fascinating. So that's why I was like, let me, compromise is a big one to talk about to ensure we can be effective at collaboration.
1: Yeah, compromise is definitely a big one. And sometimes there's, you know, everybody has a different definition of what it means to compromise, probably that comes from previous experiences that were either positive or negative, right? And so they they compromise one time and lost a bunch, and then they compromise another time and maybe they gained so much. So it's one of those I would call loaded terms and i think one of the most important things to dig deeper on this is the the listening and learning that is necessary before a compromise happens so if the if the intent going into a conversation or a situation with a customer or employee or team member or colleague or whatever is you know no i'm always right and you and you're spending and you're expecting other people to compromise towards you or you are expecting to compromise towards other people the missing step there is really listening and learning what is on the agenda or the side of the other party. Because that's usually where you can understand what's actually important to them. There's something that's important to them. And I guarantee you, nearly 100% you don't know what it is like your customer you just gave the example of there is something that is important to that customer although you might not know exactly what it is at this point in time it might not even be the value that they get from the from the, the return on their investment in your solution like they had said before but there's something else on the line and if you listen and you learn What is important to them, then compromise becomes more of an art of helping people get what they want, as opposed to, you know, I have to draw a wall or we have to make a decision that one side doesn't get something and somebody else gets more.
0: Yes, I mean, it's a perfect correlation to the first point I was making around the psychological safety is like, there's likely a reason that that individual is saying no or even you are saying no a whole lot because something has happened that you don't feel like you can you can trust what is happening because you haven't been listened to or that other individual hasn't felt that their voice was ever appropriately heard and so it's all really interconnected together
1: yeah absolutely okay let me go on to my number 2 which is the alignment of goals and This one is fun because we've all experienced inside of some organization a misalignment of goals and objectives, right? And and there's some classic examples, right? Marketing is responsible for sales qualified opportunities, okay? Sales is responsible for closed net new revenue. Customer success is responsible for long-term customer retention. Support is responsible for ticket response times and average time to resolution product is responsible for delivery of features. Engineering is responsible for timelines of their releases and such and so on and so forth. And so the, the, Chance for collaboration to really happen in an environment where everybody's goals are different, they're appropriate for their respective areas, but they're just different, is very, very small. And despite, and it's one of those things that just kind of happens all over the place, right? And every you have experienced it, I've experienced it, everybody listening has experienced this in some form or fashion. But the real gut check is how well are we aligned on our goals now there might be one giant nrr net revenue retention goal for the organization as a whole okay that's that's big but then everybody goes down into their silo and says well i only have to focus on my piece and if you do your piece we'll we'll all get along but the reality is that How aligned are you in those goals? How aligned are the comp plans into those goals? And you'll never see any group of people work together faster than if their comp plan is aligned (laughs) to the shared goals that are with there. It's one of the most fun ones because it's just paid lip service, I think, in most times in most organizations from the top all the way to the board level all the way down. And I just, I don't think it's really that necessary if we really want to drive the productivity and the opening efficiency and the getting to the end result, it comes down to alignment of goals. And it's sadly one of the things that I've seen over the years, rarely addressed. What about you?
0: Yeah. So I love this topic. You gave like some really, really great examples, especially like, let's just use the NRR one, for example, that's such a lagging indicator. And people are like, yeah, we want to hit this great NRR goal, but what are we going to do about it to get there? And that example that you gave of like, so-and-so will go into their silo, they will do one thing because they believe it's in interest of the goal, positive intent, love that. But What's missing is the other components of where the other groups, what are they doing and how do those work together in a leading indicator kind of way to help you get to hit that lagging indicator around NRR. So that's where if you not just are aligned on that lagging indicator, but also aligned on those those steps to help you get there, you're going to have, you're going to foster so much So much collaboration there, not just on the compensation side, because not everybody will be paid that way, but in in all facets. There also was another example that I was thinking of as well with our customers. You know, we've talked about this many times previously, Nils, around like joint success plans with our customers. And that fosters an amazing environment as well for, for collaboration. There's this feeling of, you know, we want you, customer, to be just as successful here. And so we want to commit together with with you. The psychological component of us doing it together and having a little bit of a stake in the game on that really goes a long way. So, yeah, I, I love this one. If you're not aligned on your goals, you just... Somebody's priorities are going to be different and then you're going to get frustrated because you can't get, you know, so-and-so to collaborate with you because their priority one is different.
1: Right. And and one of my favorite kind of metaphors for this is like, if, if you drive a car at some point, your wheels become out of alignment and they're generally the front two wheels, right? And they are designed to work in tandem. So they have to be pointing the same direction to a very small tolerance of variability. But over time, as you hit roadblocks, as you hit potholes, as you hit speed bumps, the wheels become out of alignment. And those are all the little conflicts that we experience on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And what do you have to do? You have to take your car to the shop and you got to tell the technician that my wheels are out of alignment and they put it up on a on a big lift and then they use a laser to make sure they are 100% aligned and that you can drive safely down the road and you have the least amount of excessive wear on your tires. And it's no different here. We encounter those speed bumps, we encounter those potholes, and every once in a while you need to go. For an alignment checkup and make sure that your alignment is still going in the same direction, in the same way. Because if it's not, then you're going to have some
0: trouble. I have a lot of <laughs> trouble. Yeah. A lot a lot of trouble. Of analogy. And when you were talking about potholes and everything, all I was thinking about were the metal plates that they tend oh. to stick on the roads. I don't know if they do that in your part, but in Atlanta, there's a lot of metal plates as they're doing construction, and it's oh, yes. it's just an ongoing joke in there. the city.
1: It's the vein of my existence. They're absolutely obnoxious. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to your third point.
0: Yeah, my third one, uh, I I think is really close as well with a lot of what we've already been talking about, but it it's worth it to be explicit in it. So it's around expectation setting. So clarity. So let's we can even talk about the goal example. For example, for example. <laughs> Excuse me. I said that a lot, but. If we are aligned on the goal that we want to achieve, now let's talk about the expectations of the parties and what they need to be doing in order to hit that goal. So that also comes into play with the roles and responsibilities as well. So who is doing what, who's on first, et cetera. for me it helps to have such greater collaboration when we're clear on the goals we want to accomplish and the expectations of ourselves and our partners in and uh, peers customers etc and whatever it is that we're we're going to accomplish so um, sometimes that's written down clear, clearly in notes and minutes that come out of meetings. Sometimes it's simple as taking those goals to the SMART goal level. I know we've spent a lot of time talking about that. So, so if you're not familiar with SMART goals, I'd suggest Googling it. There's a ton of great, great research on that for the for the audience to learn more on that. But that's a really great way to... Take something, make it explicit on what it is that you want to accomplish and make sure everybody's on the same page so we know, have we hit it? Have we not hit it? What are we going to do in collaboration to get there together?
1: One of my absolute favorite topics, as you know, <laughs>
0: because <laughs> if I, if I look back over
1: my entire leadership career, spending more than a decade as a leadership coach, and I get down to the real root causes of conflict and challenges and things that fly in the face of a culture of collaboration, expectations is right up there at the top, right? It's a lack of clarity of what is expected. And that breeds just uncertainty, mistrust, and just creates an environment that it's really hard for people to be successful in. And the, the funny thing is that expectations are one of those topics that are conceptually simple, but infinitely complex. And every single person listening to this today or at any point in time, You can always get better at setting your expectations. Look honestly at what it is that the expectation that you set for somebody else to do or you and make sure one, you're in agreement and two, that it's clear because most times there's a lot of vagueness in in these things, right? I need you to produce this report ASAP. (laughs) What the heck does that mean? Right. I need Mm -hmm. you to talk to this customer. Okay. And do what? Right. And there's implicit assumptions that everybody makes that well, you know the how to do this job. You should know what I mean. And anytime there's an assumption, there's an opportunity for a missed expectation. And therefore, there's an opportunity for somebody to fail and essentially not be set up for success. So expectations, expectations, expectations. And it brings up one of my favorite sayings, which is what happens in vagueness stays in vagueness. You knew I was going to say that,
0: right? I knew, I knew it the second you said vagueness. The first time, I'm like, we're going to come back around to this. And by the way, I use this too. People chuckle, but they get it, and so that's what matters. So it's it's one of the most powerful words. I, I have people that you know
1: haven't heard, haven't worked with in several years who are coaching clients and whatnot. And one of them came back recently. He called me up and said, you know, I just wanted to tell you that the what happens in vagueness stays in vagueness is still one of my anchor anchor things. And he was, this person was going through some interviews for a new role and he's like, and it was always, you know, generic questions and things. And then when they talk about how do you going to get your team to do whatever it is or drive accountability or something, he brings that up. And as soon as he says, it, he's like, every time they just perk up and they just listen, they lean in and they want to know they're like. Wow. Because it just paints the picture so clearly and it happens every single day. So everybody out there, You, Christine, me, myself, we all have an opportunity to eliminate the vagueness from our world and we will be in a much better place to foster a culture of collaboration.
0: Yeah. And you know, I might add, because we've been talking about like, of course, how we're collaborating together and the things that we need to do. But when I'm interviewing candidates, this is something that I'm looking for. Like, how do they avoid getting in this rut of just hanging out in this land of vagueness. And that's that's really important to show your, your strength and your ability to do that, because I know you'll be able to effectively manage the environment that you're in and, and strongly collaborate if you can avoid the pitfalls of being too big. Yeah.
1: Love it. Love it. All right. So my third one is the focus on relationships. And you touched on this a little bit in several of your points. And the underlying theme here is that we're all human beings. Right? We all have a desire to feel heard, to feel seen, to be recognized for our work and just to be recognized even as a person not even for our work necessarily and that really comes from having a deep focus on relationships and it doesn't mean that you only seek out the relationships of the people who are just like you who would be your good friends outside of work or maybe are there's always people in your organization and you know your colleagues and whatnot that you get along with naturally better than other people but the reality is that you can't stop there just because somebody is like you and it's really easy to form a relationship. That's cool. It's kind of like a cheat code and and just a fast track towards relationship, but The other people who are not like you, who are actually probably even, you know, maybe even polar opposites from you, who you would never, ever spend time with outside of work. Those are people that you need to build relationships with, too, if you want to foster this culture of collaboration. Because collaboration doesn't just mean collaboration with people who are like you and who you want to be with. Collaboration means effectively collaborating with everybody, regardless of where they come from, regardless of their background, regardless of their personality, regardless of their objectives, then you've got to see them as a human being. And I think that's the kind of the underlying thing, which is, Take all the other surface stuff away, which is the habits, the things that might frustrate you or annoy you, and just look at them as a human being and attempt to understand. Back to that listening and understanding we talked about on the compromise section, just get to know them as a person. Even if you will never hang out with them outside, that's okay. But a relationship that starts from that point is me far more valuable and will, again, set the expectation, set the example in your organization that we foster collaboration, regardless of who's on the other end. What do you think of that one?
0: Yeah, I I totally love this one as well. It, to me, I mean, you brought back the compromise one. It also comes back to the whole psychological safety thing. Just listening to people goes a long way in deepening those relationships. And again, I love the, the way that you pointed around like, they don't have to be the same type of person as you, different background, different story. We all have our own unique story, of course. But, like, listening to people and just hearing who they are will end up creating an environment where people want to work with you because they feel included. There's yeah. the, the inclusivity component of all of this that just makes you people just. They want to work for you. They want to work with you. They look forward to just having a casual conversation around whatever the topic du jour is like that is a, that's, I mean, that's table stakes. I mean, I love that we kind of rounded this conversation with the basic human element of this here at the end of this conversation, because without it, there's the biggest takeaway from this all without being able to acknowledge that the relationships matter you're not going to really go where, go many places because you won't be able to collaborate as effectively.
1: That's right. That's right. So. And in today's world, we are in working with and exposed to more people with different backgrounds and cultures and countries and ethnicities and beliefs and just life experience than ever before we're more interconnected than ever before so the only thing that's going to help you get through that and continue to foster this culture of collaboration is by focusing on relationships that's it that's right all right, Chrissy. well, let's wrap it up here. We've covered six tips for fostering a culture of collaboration, creating an environment of psychological safety, having clear roles and responsibilities, being willing to compromise, having alignment on goals, setting very clear expectations, and ultimately kind of wraps everything together, focusing on relationships. Christine, it's been a blast hanging out with you today, talking collaboration. Thank you so much for sharing your time and experience with us. Look forward to having you back in the future on another episode.
0: Always. Thank you for having me, Nils. My pleasure.